This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The Shield Cast. Agents Assemble. This is episode number 16 of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC TV series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Agent Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team. First up, he's an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow. What is going on, party people? How you doing, Rod? Pretty good. Going to try to ignore my programming to kill Bibbs today. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Oh, next up, she is a writer for RealVixen.com and a member of the Television Critics Association. She spoke with us last week about her set visit uh, to the set of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That was pretty cool. Agent Gwen Reyes. Hey! I'm still I'm still on the set. I just stowed away. I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been hiding in Lola this whole time. You're using yeah. Sky's laptop. i'm in the hyperbolic chamber as we speak (laughs) and finally he is the film channel editor at craveonline.com and a co-host of the b movies podcast agent william bibbs bibiani hi you're back i am i am in fact uh uh, back uh wasn't here before now i am it's nice to have you back bibbs there's been a hole in my heart that only you can fill Ah, there's a hole in my soul that's been killing me forever. Oh, well, together we are the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. We strive to take both an enthusiastic and a critical approach to Marvel's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., so there's a little something for everyone. As always, you can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com and access all of our episodes by subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher. If you like us, please leave us a review. That really helps us out a lot. And if you leave us a good review, we will make you an honorary member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. We also have a voicemail line at 336-793-2509, so you can call and leave us some feedback. This show is being recorded live at spreecast.com to receive updates on when we'll be recording live you can search for agents of shieldcast with all of the periods in there and sign up to be alerted for whenever we do a live recording you can also follow film underscore geek underscore radio on twitter or any of us on twitter for that matter if you'd like information on when we'll be recording live and we will give out those handles at the end of the show before we get started, we have one honorary member to induct into the Shieldcast today. Uh, as always, you can become an honorary member just by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. Today's review comes to us from P. Andre Joseph. It is a five-star review. The headline says, Great show! And this might be my favorite review we've ever gotten, guys. Uh, the review says, quote, I was behind on the show and didn't want to start this podcast until after I was caught up. This is a very enjoyable podcast. All of the hosts are well knowledgeable. I spent the last two days with you guys, and I appreciate the fact that your opinions are fluid and the criticism is valid. Right. Uh, it's not fanboy. Gwen's voice is like a dollop of whipped cream over an apple pie fresh out of the oven. Aww. The best part of the show and the show is not the same when she's gone. What a gem. That's so sweet. That is sweet. What, what did they say about my voice? Well, I'll get to you in a minute. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rod's reasoning is like a country ham over my Grammy's orange marmalade. Always a welcome sight and will always enjoy it. Uh, thank you. I That's appreciate done. that. I've been accused of being a ham many times. Andrew is like a 720 credit score. Dependable and reliable. Thank you? (laughs) There are better scores, right? When you think of me, you think of your credit score. I'm honored. That's solid, and that means you can buy a house. That's true. (laughs) Bibiani is like a fresh cup of premium Colombian coffee at 6 a.m. A fantastic pick-me-up, and the tone of the show is different without him. I was drinking fresh Colombian coffee today. He is like a cup of coffee. I think we all just want to drink him up. Drink me. Drink it! Okay. Yeah, that guy's awesome. He's my favorite. That's a good review. Oh, well, thank you very much, Piandre Joseph. Uh, I was trying to figure out what position to make you on the team. And after this week's episode, I think it's pretty clear uh, we need an official train conductor to help us with transport and occasionally fight some bad guys. So hop aboard the Shieldcast Express. Uh, Thank you very much, Piandre Joseph. We really appreciate all your support. 
Yay! Hey! Welcome! Thanks, man. All right. Well, today we're going to be discussing episode 13 of season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The episode is titled Tracks. It was written by Lauren LeFranc and Rafe Judkins, and it was directed by Paul Edwards. Agent Rod Morrow, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners the quick synopsis of what happened on this episode? Hot on the trail of the clairvoyant, Coulson and his team board a mystery train that seems to be headed to certain death. Is is that true? Is, did did it seem like it was headed to certain death? Um, no, no, another that's, misleading, lying synopsis every week. And that is uh, what made it awesome is because it didn't seem like it was headed there at all. Yeah. Right. Right. Also, another episode in which the title is an acronym for no fucking reason whatsoever. <laughs> like they should change the name of the show to Hammer because that also is an acronym for no fucking reason at all. I think every title should just be an acronym, no matter how long it is. <laughs> yes. Make it an acronym. Why not? Embrace well, just it. like yes. we came up one for, for our for our lovely show. I think that tracks is just one of those. They just have words that go with it. And they're like, guys, cleverness. We're going to put tracks in there. Just think about it for like 10 minutes and make it something. Right. You know? Try really analyzing clairvoyance know-how. <laughs> <laughs> Just try. Just try. <laughs> Just try. All right. Well, Agent Bibbs, since it's been a while since you've been on the show, uh, what are your general thoughts on this episode? And what are your what were your thoughts on the on the past couple episodes? Do you think that the show is headed in the right direction? Uh, I do actually. I, I think the last couple of episodes have been uh, really refreshing. the 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 previous one with the blizzard was actually, um, I mean, it wasn't brilliant, but it at least opened up the world and uh, showed us some sides of Shield that we hadn't seen before. And as always, I always like it when they manage to introduce characters. Uh, uh, from other parts of the Marvel Universe. Uh, this episode obviously was another one. This episode was the big Deathlock reveal, which they spoiled, obviously, at, uh, uh, or, or a couple months ago. But uh, it was still fucking cool. Uh, they they used a sort of uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing kind of storytelling device to show like one event from a bunch of different perspectives. And that, you know, took a pretty straightforward episode, made it a little bit more fun, made it a little bit more unexpected. I think Melinda May is even hotter when she looks like she's been roughed up a bit, which I realize makes me sound really creepy. Mm-hmm. But she looks fantastic. Just a, Just a smidge. If it helps, so do I. And uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think the humor in this episode was pretty spot on. I liked uh, Coulson and Ward trying to work out the the hologram table. I thought that was really funny. Uh, I loved that we finally someone finally fucking mentioned what happened to Emil Blonsky, which I didn't need him to come back or anything like that. But it was nice to know that they, Marvel hasn't forgotten that he existed. And, uh, yeah, fun, good episode. I, there were thrills, there were chills, there were spills, and there were bills. <laughs> almost, you almost yeah, I got it. nothing, all right, <laughs> fuck you. All right, yeah, but no, it was a fun episode. I, I had a blast with this one. I think uh, we're starting to see some stakes get raised. I think we're starting to put the characters in different situations. Uh, and, and there are a couple of quibbles here or there, but overall, I think, you know, this is one of the series' stronger episodes. Agent Rod Morrow, what did you think of this episode? Oh, I loved it, man. Like, uh, definitely delivering on a lot of the promise that they've set up earlier. Um, uh, like, uh, it's really cool to see characters come back. Like, it was cool to see uh, Quinn uh, involved. You know, um, it was a character they set up earlier, didn't kill, was a bad guy, had some pretty cool bad guy potential, and he totally fucking upped his game. I mean, obviously, spoilers. You guys are listening to the show. You should have watched it by now. Shooting Sky, like, not just the first time, which was already kind of like, what the fuck? But that second time where he gets in close and shoots her right in the gut, like, was one of the most evil things ever. And I enjoyed the shit out of that because, um, you know, that's that's a character that I want to see, um, you know, be evil and hated and become a good bad guy. So, And for a while, like, the characters have felt almost... Um, too safe and this was one of the first shows that felt almost we didn't we didn't you know what i mean where you feel safe and then all of a sudden there's a really dark turn and you look at your tv and you look at your clock like what time did this show come on again are we supposed to be doing shit like this at uh eight o'clock like we we just shoot motherfuckers in the stomach and letting them bleed out so that was pretty cool also thought that uh Simmons deserves a lot of credit for this episode. Comic relief to start the show, and by the end, when she's sobbing in the supply closet, getting uh, medical supplies, like that was a lot of range. Um, and I'm glad that they, you know, she was able to be utilized in the show that way. It felt like 
they gave everybody something to do without being uh, forceful about the way that they gave people something to do. Um, the scene where Melinda May gets uh, tied up, stabbed, and then goes, that's just what I needed and kills those guys is was my favorite scene of the episode. Um, that was just so cool. And of course, my man Mike Peterson, man, he back. And I hate that he evil, but he was killing the shit out of some um, people. And he looks like he's going to be a real wild card as Deathlock. And uh, totally, I'm totally on board with that. You know, he not evil. He just following orders. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, you know what I mean. He was in Austria during the war. You know, it's right. And he killed the shit out of some people. Uh, shout out to Stan Lee showing up two bitches. I don't know if he was supposed to be a pimp or what. Uh, they were just holding, I think freak. they were holding him up. Yeah. I think because I think, he's like a million, <laughs> they were just holding him up. I really think their real life function was to keep him aloft, but it was so funny because it comes off in the show like he's some type of, like I expected him to be like, come on bitches and snap his finger and point (laughs) other Family does not talk to women that way, Rod. Well, it's uh, interesting because- Family is a gentleman. I have seen Marvel's uh, comic books and I beg to differ. They don't have to- If we take the Marvel Studios universe seriously- there are a fuck ton of Stanley clones just wandering <laughs> around the universe, just, just yep. doing whatever. This may be the Hugh Hefner Stanley we saw in the original Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, no. The thing is, he it's it, there's not clones. He's just he he's one guy who's just coincidentally winds up in all of these situations. He's as far as Gump of Marvel and just shows up every time something oh my God. happens to be there. Oh, my God. You guys, what if Stan Lee is the Watcher? Oh, that actually, <laughs> right? would, be cool. That actually would be cool. He's like, actually, oh, I'm a Watu and pulls off a mask. Um, And lastly, uh, I like the action in this, um, too. Like, the uh, yeah. special effects and stuff was cool. Um, Ward fight in the train car was pretty cool and the comic beeps uh like him not wanting to punch that girl in the, that lady in the face but then he punched her in the stomach i was like what if she was pregnant um and then uh him and colson on the bus trying to uh just turn just like showing how difficult the uh the mechanics of uh working all the technology in the bus is compared to how easy it looks every week when the nerds do it so that was cool uh, I would just like to point out that uh, Andy in the chat room says that Stan Lee is the clairvoyant. I was thinking that would the same be brilliant. thing. Andy, you're a genius. Never change. <laughs> Don't just change your do thing. You. Don't change your clothes. Don't change your mind. Don't change your heart. All right. Well, Agent Gwen Reyes, uh, what did you think of this episode? And when you were on your set visit, did you have a chance to meet either of the writers of this episode? Not of this episode, no. I just met the the two Jeffs, Jeff okay. Loeb and Jeff Bell, the two producers. Okay. There were no writers there, unfortunately. Hey, they're both writers. Well, yeah, they're both writers, but I mean, they're one's the Marvel president or the Marvel connection, and the other one's the executive producer. But they didn't write these episodes. All right. Well, uh, what did you think of this episode? Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was even for just a, such a simple show of mostly the whole the majority of the time staying just on that train and just repeating it over and over again and seeing it from the different perspectives. I thought it was really great and fun. And um, I also agree. I thought that the I after last week and me coming around and being like, let's all give Sky a chance. When she got shot, I was like, holy shit, is she dead? After I've just now said that we need to give her a chance, and they finally heard us, and now they're killing Sky off. Like I was genuinely concerned. She's not dead. No, she's fine. No. And you know what? The guy Quinn said like it was his orders, and the clairvoyant obviously has an interest in her. So maybe like getting shot is what it takes to activate whatever power she has, or something. Like like she's a Highlander, and he gets stuck at whatever age you were when you died. You know, so well, like the beginning of next week, she'll like sprout wings and fly around the bus or something. It's gonna be weird. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. And then also with the clairvoyant being this mystical person that knows everything, there's kind of an element of like maybe this is all part of the plan. Like Sky's not gonna die, but it'll cause Colson or someone to do something that helps out the clairvoyant in the long run or something. Because uh, it did kind of have that feeling of like. I don't like it's just so brutal. Like someone's not like even for someone who's not going to die, like that shit looked painful and it was long and like just her crawling to the door, like just craziness. You guys, clairvoyant is an acronym. You know it. You know, Maybe it's an so. acronym. It's going to be an acronym. And it's like the the secret name for whatever the fuck like that NSA headquarters thing is. It's the name of the sandwich. 
What is on that sandwich? Uh, it looked cheese, crisp lettuce, lettuce <laughs> avocado. Prosciutto was on there. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, but I okay. So I don't think I would ever say this, but let's talk about kissing for a minute. Melinda. Okay, so now we have Melinda and Ward, and they're out in the open, and Colson knows about them, and they have this really cool scene where they're in the bedroom, and there's no smooching. I was a little, pe- I was a little peeved that we didn't get like any sort of smooching just because they're separated, and I know that shit's going on, and she's got to hop on top of the train. But if we're really supposed to buy them as some sort of viable romantic interest for right now, I was a little upset that there wasn't any sort of physical contact between the two of them, except for I told Colson and jumping out the window. No, no, I I entirely agree with that. And I think that's one of the problems with that subplot is that there's not a lot of perceived connection. Like if it's just meaningless sex, they should be having more meaningless sex to really sell the point home. But if you're going to keep it alive, like they get, like they care about each other or get jealous when Colson dresses her wounds, yeah. uh, you need to show some intimacy in that. And again, yeah, you're, it, it's in the middle of a mission. It could have been like touching an arm or, or like a, a, a little pinch of a cheek or, or something cute and, and condescending. Or even if it was like, you know, one of those moments where he pulls her close and they have like an almost kiss and then she pushes him away and jumps out the window. I just wanted something I where agree. they were separated working on this mission and I was a little upset that we didn't get that. You know, um, she does touch his hand later at the end of the episode when he's frustrated and punches the car uh, after, uh, you know, Sky's shot. And I, I read that scene more that... Um, I felt like Ward wanted something and she was clearly not having it. Like she's so professional and cold when it comes to this relationship. Like even her, her like admission of telling, telling Colson about it seemed to be to sap the intimacy out of it. And when later when they show Colson dressing the wound, it seemed like Ward was more jealous of the intimacy of that relationship. Not like, in a sexual attraction way, but in a like, wow, you really are cutting me out of any type of moment, you know, that would uh, possibly bring us closer together, you you know? Wow, that sounds just like my last relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I I, I actually liked most of that. I think most of that is in keeping with the character of Melinda May. You know, she's not the type of person who's all warm and cuddly. She's the type of person who wants to stick to business. And even if she does have strong feelings for Ward, she's not necessarily going to show that. But I would, I would argue that she also is the one that got all kind of pissy when he said something about being in that room together. And she was, and he, and Ward was like, no, I just meant that we're on this mission. Like she still, if she was cold and cut off, she would also not be completely aware of that he's constantly thinking about sex himself. So there is, there was just like that weird moment that she said that he verified that he wasn't thinking that that would have been an opportunity for a smooch, and then they move on. I think that is happening because, uh, like all TV writing, where like it's only I think it's just an afterthought. If, yeah, I, well, I think it's only cool if like. One episode, he it looks like he wants it so bad. And then the next episode, oh, no, 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 she wants it so bad. And then, you know, like, I feel like they're going to do this dance and we'll probably get tired of it and be like, you know, just fuck you know it. it's almost like, but I just have like almost forgotten about it. Mm. And that was the thing that I was struggling with is that I've almost forgotten completely that they were doing anything because we see that one scene, you know, we had that one scene where they wake up together or not wake up together, but sharing a room. And then a couple episodes go by and then we see her telling Colson and then in a couple weeks go by and this one where it's like that it's like well kind of like out of sight out of mind kind of thing well that's that's what that's the problem with the show and the way that it handles a lot of its relationship subplots whether they're romantic or otherwise is that it's very academic and it's a lot of people just talking in rooms about stuff and we don't actually get to see them because we never get to see them outside of work there's a part of you know you look at something like Law and Order you know another like procedural type show you almost never see the characters in their personal lives because it's all about the job here. Like every single plot revolves around the job, but they still want to make us care about their personal lives, but we never get to see them on their day off. There'll be a whole subplot about Simmons, you know, debating whether or not to call her dad. We don't actually get to see that conversation. We don't get to see her dad. We don't get to see where she grew up or anything. We don't get to see a, a lot of things. Which is one of the reasons why, kind of like last time, uh, the last episode, because we actually got to see where Fitz and Simmons went to school and how other people reacted to them and it's more of sort of the social dynamic of Shield. 
but yeah, in general, everything's just sort of like, we're in a relationship. Okay, Jesus, uh, if you say so. I kind of feel like the opposite because I feel like their whole plot point is that they're not in a relationship. Like, they're in relationship denial, and it feels like relationship denial on the show to me. Like, everyone else is like, oh, you dudes totally fucking go together. And then they're all like, no, we're not. And then that's how it comes off to me on the show, which is kind of why I think it feels frustrating is because they're not getting yeah. together, and they're not being intimate, and they're wasting opportunities. But I, I feel like it's purposeful, not forgetful. I actually agree with you, Rod. I think that that this episode was actually really good in ha- how it handled the relationship because it left it just vague enough for for me as a viewer to wonder how uh, how Ward and May were responding to certain things. Like, oh, is she reacting that way because she actually isn't really into Ward and isn't looking for a serious relationship, or is she reacting that way because she actually does, but she doesn't want to admit it to him or to herself. And I, I actually think that there was there was a little bit more nuance there than the show has has given us in the past. Well, the other thing I think we need to remember is that a lot of TV series like try to put forth a relationship subplot idea right at the beginning. But uh, that's like how it worked on paper and it doesn't necessarily work with the cast mm-hmm. and they have to backtrack or they change, or even it's just a misdirection like uh, Willow and Xander. Oh, they're obviously going to end up together. No, they're not. <laughs> Willow's a lesbian. Um, what? Oh my God. So, or, or, and I, I firmly suspect that if Firefly had gone on longer, eventually Kaylee would have ended, uh, would have ended um uh, Ended up with Jane. That's mm-hmm. my theory. I think that that was just too irresistible of them. And then Simon's just like, who cares? And the thing is, on this show, they did float out several other relationship things. But, yeah. You know, they were just so kind of half-heartedly. Sky tried to talk to Ward the day they, they show him going to Melinda May's room. Um, I believe Fitz tried to uh, talk to Sky at one point, And it was looking like Simmons was had yeah, some kind of thing for, for Fitz. So, like, they've kind of messed with this stuff. Uh, a lot, and I guess this is the only one that kind of stuck. I'm I feel like Simmons and Ward like nobody's business. <laughs> I, I want I, that pairing so bad. I feel like the Ward and May relationship is, uh, it feels like that was a good ending for an episode, but now they're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, yeah, we just had that thing with Sky, but oh, he's going to turn out he's sleeping with someone else. Okay, well, Simmons doesn't make any sense. So he's sleeping with May. Where does that go from there? Hey, can I, we have no idea. Do you guys get this feeling too that like the action agents, uh, including Colson, are just so much older than the other three that it would be a little bit weird if they dated? I think Ward's young enough that he could get away. With yeah, it. I, he could get away with it. Yeah. I noticed a few things in this episode relating to the relationships. I, it was clear that they kept uh, Fitz and Sky together, and they had them kind of pretend to be boyfriend girlfriend and uh, maybe foreshadowing a potential relationship with between them down the road but then at the same time uh after that whole thing with uh, with Simmons where she's getting shot at by that guy and then they're both knocked unconscious Fitz just shoots him like really coldly right in the <laughs> chest I was like oh okay well they're they're also acknowledging that Fitz does have very very strong feelings for Simmons so yeah they're they're trying to keep their options open Sassy Fitz is great, by the way. Like, I love that they turned that guy more snarky uh, and se- kind of separated him from Simmons. And, uh, like, when he tells Sky that she kissed him like his grandmother, that was that was great. I was trying to figure out. It, t- it took me a while to realize, were the bullets they were using night-night? Yeah, yeah they're, like, they're, they're like advanced night-night. It's advanced night-night. Yeah. Advanced night-night. That's what they that's, said. They said it was advanced night-night technology. I sound like I'm just saying gobbledygook when I speak about this show sometimes. The grenades are advanced night-night technology. The gun that um that Fitz was using, well, the guns that all the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents were using were night-night guns. Well, right, and then he shot that guy twice in the chest, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Right. If the guy's already stunned, <laughs> right. are you stunned. like, are, is he double stunned, or did you actually just kill him? Maybe he okay. him in a light, He's just in a light coma, guys. Just like a slight, <laughs> like just like an afternoon coma. This is way too much night-night for me. I, uh, screw you all, I'm out. Night-night. <laughs> Bye, Bibs, we love you. Love you too. Be safe. <laughs>
Um, maybe he wanted to make sure that dude didn't wake up before um, Simmons. That's that's how I took it. Right. Oh, and and in case people didn't realize it, Bibbs unfortunately just had to leave early. No, we're gonna start rumors about Bibbs doesn't like us anymore. Bibbs got to go talk to somebody about another podcast. Whatever. Yeah, he just had to leave early today, but he'll be back uh, next week, hopefully. Um, but yeah, getting back to to this episode, I want to talk about Deathlock. And Mike Peterson, because we knew he was coming. They announced it. I did not realize that they were going to introduce him this week. I told you that last week. Did you? Yes, I, I said remember. that three times last week. We definitely weren't listening. We told you. No, not. you weren't. You were like, I don't want to have any spoilers. And I'm like, right. come in next Friday, next Tuesday. I feel like I, I feel like I did a great job. Then you did. You did a great job. I was I was really surprised when I was like, it's Mike. And I was like, guys, this was, like, not new news. <laughs> I mean, I knew that it could happen this week. You just don't listen to me. It's, like, because I'm a girl, maybe right? So. I was I, I was thinking maybe that's maybe they'll leave that later on. Maybe maybe they'll introduce Bill Paxton this week and then get to Mike later. I didn't. They were supposed to do both. They were supposed to do Bill Paxton this week and do Mike Peterson this week. There were supposed to be three oh, big intros. That would have been too much. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and uh, it was great seeing uh, MP back. MP the last dawn for everybody that uh has ever listened to um no limit soldier music but uh yeah it was good seeing him back and um i actually like that um i thought they were going to do that thing where they kept showing it from his vision and showing what his eye was saying but um they only did it a couple times and i like that they didn't do it when he first woke up because i kept thinking like what is he being instructed to do right now uh is he gonna like kill skies like can can uh quinn just tell him what to do like a machine like how does this work and um it seems like uh quinn went through a lot of trouble for nothing because he got that technology and he doesn't actually control mike right that's what i confused. i want to talk about that a little bit because why why did mike peterson kill all those people that were working for quinn like that was a little confusing to me yeah it seemed like yeah. clairvoyant made him do that and honestly it came off to me like the writers wanted to show he was badass and kill can kill a lot of people, but they didn't want to kill anybody from Shield, and they didn't want to have him kill um, one of his uh, former associates. You know what I mean? So I thought that like it felt contrived to me that scene because I immediately was like, "All oh, these motherfuckers are gonna die as soon as you know I didn't know any of them." But it was just also kind of weird that it was, you know, and inconveniently it shows on the screen, like, do not kill shield people, you know, or whatever. So it was kind of like, I think to show us like, wow, Deathlock's a badass. And that was it. Right. It took me a while to figure out exactly how much time had passed between the last episode and this episode. I guess we're just supposed to assume three weeks Mm -hmm. since that's how long they were on break oh i like to think that it's all real time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i mean i was i was just sitting there thinking what what is what exactly how much time has passed exactly and i get the impression it's at least been a couple weeks because of how mike is behaving It, it seems like he's he's been under their control for a while at this point he doesn't seem to be resisting very much he's kind of just accepted his his fate and accepted what he has to do now and he, he, you know, he's not really doing a whole lot to fight back. He seems just kind of defeated and resigned. Do you think he has one of those hyperbolic chambers at home? Like they installed one in his house? <laughs> I don't think he's going home anytime soon. Because I wonder why he had to be in that. The mystical powers of the hyperbaric chamber or just like uh, the mystical powers of lightning in every comic book. Because I was just like, how does that save someone who got shot twice in the gut? Like... I just don't believe you can just put someone in a tube and it's like, okay, they're back alive for now. Want to be really great when it gets back and they're like, it really didn't save me. I'm just really important. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually, I was curious about that too. So I actually went to Wikipedia to try and look up stuff about hyperbaric medicine. And apparently it's a way of delivering like 100% oxygen to the body. And it places a whole lot of pressure around the body and can apparently... Uh, it, it can be useful in gradually repairing organs. 
So it sounds very complicated. I was willing to suspend my, my disbelief and go with it for the purposes of the show. And I like the fact that they did acknowledge, uh, Simmons says at one point, you know, we can keep her in this thing for a few hours, mm. but after that, her brain's going to shut down. Yeah. It makes me wonder if they're going to do whatever uh, they did to Coulson. Yeah. That's what I was thinking they were going to do with her. I didn't think that she was, like, after I got through the initial shock, I was like, oh, they might just Coulson her. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe uh, Coulson will realize that he cares about her so much, and she's like a daughter to him, that he'll just call Nick Fury and be like, look, whatever you did to me, do, do to her. Like, I also thought that um, it was cool at the end where they showed the scene where Mike wants to see his son, and it's like, not yet, which lets you know, like... He's not totally, um, you know, he's not totally a villain or a bad guy even. It's he's just being manipulated with that I Jimmy thing. Yeah. Right. And he's just he's kind of defeated. He's just he's just trying to follow orders and get any small moment of relief whenever he can. Poor Deathlock. He just needs a hug. As always, I have to point out the technology. Um, Really love the uh, cyber leg that they gave uh, Deathlock. That was cool. Um, watching it kind of form out of nowhere. The goggles that May had where she could see through the train, I thought that was cool, and I thought it was kind of funny because they go through all that stuff, and she just throws them down on the ground. like. Because I was like, did something happen to her You know, when they first show the goggles, and they, they wake up, and they're like, what is May's goggles doing here? And you're like, oh, no, something must have happened to her. And it's like, not really, not at that point. She just threw her fucking goggles down because they were in the way. Also, uh, I thought it was cool the parachute opening thing in the back of her suit, like, which yeah, like, I didn't see that shit coming. They just shot at her, and I was like, "Wow, she's gonna have to figure out a way to kill this." Oh no, never mind, she's gone. So she's done. Is Cybertech in the comics, Rod? Yeah, I'm sure of it. Um, I don't know how big an influence they are though. Like, I don't remember them as they're not like a bad guy, like uh, AIM or or something like that, where uh. You know, I would remember them from that. So I don't I don't think it's like a this huge, um, huge deal, man. You know, so I, I, I'd i be very um, surprised to see like maybe it'll be a front for aim or something like that later on. But um, uh, I don't think they're like a huge deal. Even uh, I just looked it up. It says Division of Roxanne. Uh Roxanne is like a big evil corporation in the uh, Marvel world. But Cybertech is a division of Roxanne isn't like some huge deal in the comics. OK. Did you guys like the structure and how they kept flashing back to the train and showing the perspective of different characters? I thought that was pretty cool. I did too. I thought it was a really nice way to take a story that had very little plot and stretch it out. And I thought I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I've seen movies do this, uh, like uh, Perspective uh, was one that did it. Um, Whatever that movie is where – Jake Gyllenhaal keeps going back on that fucking train over and over. Forget oh. the- Source code. Yeah, yeah. I hated that movie, and I hated Perspective. <laughs> so I was like, I just hate this storytelling fashion. And I was wrong, man. I enjoyed it in this way. And I think part of the reason I enjoyed it is because they skip over certain events. Like, every time they retold the story from another perspective, it got further as opposed to stopping at the same point. And um, that did make it interesting. And, uh, it, you know, kind of... Without becoming monotonous, and uh, especially when they got the maze part, that was just so cool to me. Just because you know, I, you kind of wonder like what happened to her, and then it's like, wow, she really went through it. And when she does show up, stabs the dude in the back, says wheels up in five, and refuses to get help from Ward. That's all in one second. You're just like, oh my god, what a badass. Yeah, I like the structure overall. I, I, I like the fact that the show is experimenting with different locations, with different ways of, of, of telling the narrative. Um, there was it, it seemed a bit like they were they were struggling to keep uh, all the balls in the air and, and keep juggling them properly. Um, the, the one thing that really kind of bothered me is when you finally see what happened to Sky and Fitz, which I believe is the last segment there on the train they decide to put a tracker on a car and then follow it to wherever Quinn is going to be and that's how they wind up at, at that house at the end but the next scene they're just there at the house 
And I was like, wait, 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 did you walk? Some of the editing I struggled, like that, it was interesting because about that part of the show, that last quarter or one eighth of the show, I felt like the editing was kind of just a mess. Yeah. And it was hard to follow. That's why I was kind of curious why, like, with Mike Peterson, like how everybody got all the things that were happening. I was like, this is a lot. You're throwing a lot into this last little bit because they spent so much time and energy making those flashback scenes really interesting and really compelling. And then they had to like, they literally looked at their watch and were like, oh shit, we're hitting the 45 mark and we need to wrap this stuff up. Yeah, I, right. I wondered the exact same thing as you, Andrew, when uh, they did the tracking thing. I was like, oh, they're not going to show that. Not that, you know, they quote unquote needed to. I mean, obviously it was going to arrive at that, like, you know, everyone goes to this place and they have this big shootout fight, whatever. But it was one of those moments where you're like, I think I would have shown that maybe. Also, I forgot to mention, how cool was the uh, mystery of the grenade at first? When they show it from Ward and Coulson's perspective and you're like, oh, so train cool. just disappeared? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what did does it, you know, when he's like, maybe open up a portal and the train went to a portal. He's like, I can't deal with this Asgardian shit today. That like, was so that, great. That was so cool. <laughs> And especially when you find out the mystery is like, no, you guys got struck. I don't, it that um this episode felt very Whedian to me, even though I know Josh Whedon probably didn't have anything to do with the show. This one felt the most like, oh, Josh Whedon could have wrote this. I feel like this had a really great balance of the comedy and the tech, and I like I loved that that flashback, and I loved Melinda's flashback where she gets up there and looks at them and is like, oh shit, you guys were out and you looked ridiculous. Like that was such great character moments for her this is what the show needs to be doing every single week it needs to be giving us small little character moments to kind of build those relationships it needs to be exploring different locations it needs to be structuring the narrative and in a way that is exciting and maybe surprising and filled with some some twists that kind of make us go oh i didn't see that coming i didn't realize it was going to be like that and it also needs to move some of these these larger arcs along, like everything with Ian Quinn and Sky and her possible powers and Mike Peterson. And this episode, it just really seemed like they were trying to do all of that. And occasionally, the editing did feel a little bit off, like they were having a little bit trouble accomplishing it all. But I'm just I'm just so glad that they they went for it and they had all that in mind. And overall, I think they pulled it off pretty well. Mm-hmm. Better to be ambitious and come up a little short than to be safe and, you boring. know, yeah, and, and boring, even if you're, quote unquote, uh, executing it well. I was going to say, what do you guys think? Because uh, you guys always kind of bring this up sometimes. Um, what do you guys think about the look and feel of the production and the cost and stuff like that? I know I don't get into that, but I know you guys do. And I was wondering, do you think it stepped it up? Do you think it was about the same? I thought it was actually really good. It definitely did a lot of set work, so like most of it. But then I also really enjoyed going out into the orange groves that mm. were supposed to be in Italy, but were definitely in Southern California. Right. There was there was some really good variety. Like a lot of it took place either in the house at the end or in those train compartments, some of which was probably just built on set. Uh, but then, yeah, at the same time, you did have a lot of stuff taking place outside. It, it was really refreshing to me because – I, I didn't feel like the show was spending a lot of money on a lot of this stuff. It, it felt like it was introducing variety in ways that felt practical to a certain extent. Like, yes, we can switch up the location, but cut down on costs by having a lot of it be interiors and, and a lot of set work. But then we can also have a couple cool exterior and money shots, like everything with uh, Melinda May on top of the train and the parachute. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought overall this this is what the show needs to be doing more often. Cool. I, 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 there were a couple shots that I really enjoyed. Um, the one where Coulson jumped out of the train, I was like, how the fuck did they get that shot? You know, where mm-hmm. it felt like he jumped into the fucking camera. Like, I don't know if that was that guy or exactly how they did it, but, like, that was cool. And I really enjoyed the action scene in the boxcar, the train, like that very close quarter combat between uh, Ward and those two uh, undercover agents. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool shot. Oh, one thing I was wondering when those when when those two agents showed up and he's first he just sees that woman who's asking for help. 
And I was trying to figure out, is that the same woman that we commented on from the pilot? Oh, yeah, I remember her. I was trying to figure out, is that the same person or is it just another blonde woman? I don't know, man. I wish I had been paying more attention now uh, to that. Like, I wish I could remember. I can't even remember the pilot, guys. Uh, she was a prostitute when Ward busted in and um, was uh, going to uh, to fight oh. an agent. And then they had a small conversation. She got out and left, and I was like, that seems suspicious. I wonder if she's going to come back. So I wonder if that was the same lady. Now, I loved the scene in the bus where Ward brings up to Coulson that him and May have been sleeping together. That was so funny to me. Uh, right. I loved Coulson being like, if you're going to yes. have sex, you might as well get used to saying it. And I was like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> And Clark, I love I love when Clark Gregg gives him the you're gonna do this now like <laughs> everything's fucked up we don't know where everybody's at Th- things are going crazy you want to have the sex talk at this moment let's just do it like let's just get it out there and I love that he wasn't the uh huggy friendly Coulson that you know the the soft warm dad figure and he was kind of more like listen as a professional this shit is stupid and risky and if it fucks anything up you are off of this team. But let's get back to work. I thought it was interesting that he said all that to Ward after um, just a couple episodes ago when May first brought it up. He was just like, well, do you know what you're doing? And she said yes. And that was the end of the discussion. (laughs) But now we find out that maybe, I don't know, maybe Coulson's a little jealous or maybe he does have a few more concerns about it than he let on to May. And he he let them all out on Ward. I think it was the way Ward brought it up was so like... Yeah, it was such a like, stupid moment to do right. it. It was just a ward moment too. Like he's such a <laughs> he's got terrible timing, that ward. He is a uh, very I think um as the show goes on, I know he's supposed to be the jock or whatever, but he's kind of emotionally unstable and inept. Like when he feels inept, like when he went and punched the fucking SUV because uh Sky got shot, it's like he has these moments where he's like, I can't beat whatever this is up. So now I'm useless. And uh, I kind of like that as a character trait in him. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense if you go back to when we first meet Ward and he's just like, I don't like people. Like, he's so socially awkward. Like, it's hard. It's always hard to imagine beautiful, socially awkward people. But he just does not. He's not good with people. He's not good with feelings. And he's got a lot of feelings going on right now. Yeah, one of these days, Ward's going to get upset and punch Lola, and all hell is going to Oh, not touch Lola. That was the first thing I thought when he punched, because they kind of cut away right after the punch, and I'm like, that better not be Lola, because <laughs> Coulson will whoop his ass. Um, although that would have been cool, because I, um, in that moment, I believe they were conveying that he blames Coulson for what happened to Sky, and I like that Quinn brought it up when when they first got there. Um, because they're fucking right. They didn't really put a lot of training into Sky. Uh, Coulson was on this touchy feely shit and just put this dude, put this lady out here in the field with, cause he had a good feeling about her. And now she got gut shot twice and it is on Coulson if anything happens to her because, uh, I don't think she's adequately prepared. She hasn't been through any of these schools. And last week when, uh, I think it was last week when, uh, or, you know, last show when, uh, Ward gave her the touchy feely, like, if you just believe in wanting to do good, then you're on the right team. Like, no, you need fucking training. Uh, it's <laughs> shot. These are real bullets. I'm glad you brought that up, Rod. Uh, we've talked several times on the show about how, Colson's team, they seem to be kind of doing their own thing, and they're going against S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot of the time. And in this episode, we didn't get to see what S.H.I.E.L.D., how they feel about it, but we did get to see how the team might start to feel about that when things go wrong. Because now you've got all these issues of, well, should we really be doing this? Is Colson just out for revenge? Is this really appropriate? One of the team members is now shot, mm-hmm. so... Who is really to blame for this? Is that just something that happened or they have a huge opportunity next show to really explore the culture clash between the rest of shield and Colson's team, because he's, it seems like he's going to bring a wounded uh, sky to shield and say, save her. We have, you know, 
very little time to save her. And from what we've seen about S.H.I.E.L.D., they can be very callous about the lives of agents. You sign up for this. If you get killed, you get killed. You know, last time when they did the when they had the hub episode, they didn't even want to go save. Uh, They didn't even have an escape plan for Coulson's agents. And they kind of went renegade and got them out of there. Well, this time it looks like they're going to be trying to break into S.H.I.E.L.D. technology and discover some way to heal Sky because there's always a way. And uh, it feels like this will be a good opportunity for Coulson to get bitched out by uh, Victoria Hand and uh, kind of get his hat handed to him because he does things unorthodox. And these are the risks that I think as viewers of the show rooting for this team, we don't really get exposed to the risk until you have a moment like this. And then it's like, oh, wait, you're pretty quirky. And that doesn't seem like a good thing to be in a place where you can get killed. Right. And I'm... I'm I'm glad that the show has introduced it in a way where it looks like we might be seeing that from both sides. We'll be seeing S.H.I.E.L.D. come down on Coulson, and we'll also see Ward coming down on Coulson, and other members of the team start to question his leadership and his decisions. Poor Coulson. And I think that that, that could lead to some, some interesting conflict. I feel like, yeah, I also feel like it'll be a good opportunity for Clark Gregg to drop the... Uh, you motherfuckers fucked with my brain and I know it a right. moment in some people's faces because uh, since that moment happened, he's kind of, you know, he did the emo coaching thing and then everything started, you know, popping off and he didn't really have time to say anything to anybody except that one doctor. So it'd be cool if he can uh, be like, uh, you guys can save her because you saved me and I didn't even want to be saved. So do it. All right. Well, let's uh, get into some feedback about the show. We're going to take questions in the chat room and also go over a few emails we got. Uh, Rod, did we get any emails this week? Yes, we got two from our man Thomas Blake. Uh, he writes, hey, Shieldcast. Here's hey, my Thomas. Pos- hey, Thomas. How you doing, buddy? Here's my positives on tracks. Fitz's improved characterization. I enjoyed that, too. J. August Richards' appearance as Deathlock. Mm-hmm. The way May escaped her captors and her killing of the Italian agent. Colson's laying down the law with Ward and Sky getting shot twice. Yes, we all enjoyed watching Sky get shot. Yeah. <laughs> I hate women, personally. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the negatives. They need to retire the night night gun. First, the name is stupid. Second, it looks like the villains are using lethal guns and our heroes are using a laser gun that merely stuns them. Well, yeah, because they're the good guys. Yeah, I- I've noticed that for a while. Um, I don't like it. But I think it does clearly put a difference between good guy and bad guy. And they can't have it both ways because when they were killing motherfuckers, people were mad at that. Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't good guys to keep killing all these people. So they came up with a way to not kill people. And then it's like, well, now they're punks. It's like, well, come on, guys. Got to do something, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd much rather them not kill people. Because they also – I always – now that I'm older and watch a lot of television, these are all real people. I constantly worry about their, like – psychological being and if they are killing a lot of people they're probably dead inside or have a lot of problems yeah they they brought it up very early in the show uh when war was talking about they were asking him about how many people he's killed and he was like dude that's it's nothing cool about this shit like this is terrible so um yeah anyway um another episode ending with the focus being on sky can the writers just admit chloe bennett is the de facto star of the show and be done with it after colson sky gets the most attention from the writers the consistent praising her origin story the mystery of her parents and the repeated dramatic moments sky gets it's all too much is it chloe bennett uh, or the sky character the writers are drawn to the writers see something i don't so i don't what do you guys think about that i would have agreed with Thomas uh, a couple weeks ago that it's not it's not necessarily that Sky was a bad character conceptually. I actually do think that last week's reveal about her origins and the fact that they've gotten that out of the way, I do think it opens up a, uh, many more roads for them to potentially take with her. And I'm I'm far more on board with her as a character than I was before so i'm actually excited to see how they develop her i'm excited for the fact that she is not going to have a speaking role for an episode ouch (laughs) i thought you liked chloe i do but you know i'm looking forward to maybe a sky free episode seeing how it changes the feel oh there was i almost burst out laughing in this episode uh because one of the first uh moments we see sky 
on the train, she's just looking at uh, the map. <laughs> yeah. And that just reminded me of episode two when she's the one who, her, where we joked her power is that she can read and she looks at the manual <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, oh, there they go again. Sky doing that reading. She is thorough. We're good at reading, guys. Oh, my God. How great was Simmons' cover story and the detail and geekiness of it? And I love that she got disappointed when Colson was like, okay, that's enough of this shit. <laughs> She's like, don't you want to know what animals we saw? He's like, no, I don't want to know that bullshit. And neither do the bad guys. Prostitutes, plural? <laughs> I don't really mind the uh, Sky-centric uh, storytelling because I don't think it's Sky-centric. Uh, like, this, this last episode... It felt like everyone had pretty much equal uh, screen time, you know, and several of the, the scenes, uh, like several of the stories, Sky's like either not in it or barely in it at all. Um, they just had a very Sky centric ending, which I'm fine with because uh, I think her getting shot is a huge cliffhanger, you know. Yeah. So if you're going to uh, I think they might even be taking a break after this, if you're going to take a break. On a cliffhanger, then uh, take a break after shooting someone in the stomach two times and see what happens. So I was okay with that. Another um, week break. Looking at the previous, how many? Uh, one week you said? I think. Well, right now there's a week. I don't know if the one that's after that is a new episode or a. Okay. If it's a rerun. Wait, we're gonna take a break again. Someone yeah. told. Someone, again, I said this last week. <laughs> someone told me last week. Uh, I mean last night that it will be a three week break. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, I am looking on Wikipedia right now, and according to Wikipedia, the next episode airs in a month on yeah, March. That's, yeah, that's, I'm uh, looking at the ABC Media Net, and that's the same thing I'm getting. This is too much, guys. I told you it takes them a week. It takes them a month to make an episode. I know, but they've been taking so many breaks. Film the episodes simultaneously. Film them all at once over the course of three weeks or whatever. I don't know. Just uh. <laughs> what if this is the cost of better episodes? We just have to wait a month in between. And yeah. It's a heavy People cost. forget <laughs> what's happening. Right. Uh, looking at the previews, it seems episode 14 will focus on Sky again. Oh, Joy, can't wait to hear your thoughts. Well, you've heard them. Um, and then he left another one because he hates Sky that much. Uh, he was like, uh, don't let it in here. He says, in the final scene with Man Ward, there was an indication he blames someone for Sky's injury. Do you think he blames Fitz? No, I think he blames Coulson uh, mm -hmm. uh, because one, Quinn said it. Two, after he punches the car, um, he, he was like, no, I don't blame myself. And the next camera cut is to the back of Clark Gregg's head looking down at Sky. So I, yep. I'm pretty sure it's Clark Gregg that he blames uh, Coulson. Yep, I agree. I, I don't think he blames Fitz at all. What? How can he blame Fitz? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what – because they were together at the – oh, he didn't go in the house maybe? I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he would blame Fitz, but uh, – and it's kind of Sky's fault. Like, why the fuck did she go in that house? Like, Quinn, like, you don't know what's going on in there. Like, that was she was so in over her head. Can't she and Fitz, like, put the tracking stuff on the car together and then go inside together? Yeah, something. They only have... Buddy one, system, guys. They only have Come one on. gun between them anyway. It seemed completely dangerous. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's what this show has been doing for a while. And I like the twist of, actually, guys, this shit is dangerous. So, I, I was... Mm -hmm. you know, they've been doing a lot of dangerous shit that just keeps working out. So, like, there was literally a moment in this show where she's walking around, or and I'm like, why didn't someone just shoot her? And then, bam, they shoot her. I was like, oh, why would you shoot her? You know? You predicted that. You ruined <laughs> it. bad way, not the good way. <laughs> um, uh, all right, we have a question in the chat. Gwen, uh, this yes. is from Andy, Sh Andy Shish. How do you, Andy Shish? Just Andy. All right, we'll call him Andy. Um, I think he's a big fan of Gwen here. He says, Gwen, how does it feel not being able to say where the set is? I have a lot of feelings about that, but uh, yeah, I can't talk about that. <laughs> that <laughs> Top secret. It is a secret. Mostly because I'll be honest with you, I was not paying attention on the drive there. <laughs> well, as Colson would say, that's classified. That is classified. Also, also, you were blindfolded. I was. Right? That's why I wasn't paying attention because I was out with the night night gun, and I woke <laughs> up on set. It was very weird, and I don't know why Andy keeps bringing this up. Andy has another question, <laughs> Gwen. Yes. Did you guys find out during the set visit by the producers, or did you find out through Marvel sites? I don't know what he means. What you found uh, out? All the information I I know, I found out through uh, the Marvel. 
the president of Marvel Television, who is Jeff Loeb, who was there introducing who did a little presentation for us. Oh, I think he means, yeah, how did you find out about Deathlock? Oh, yeah, that was from Jeff Loeb. Okay. And the last question from Andy, he says, guys, do you think that her unknown powers may actually save her? Maybe they will be activated because her life is in danger? I think Bibbs handed towards that. When I watched it, I kind of was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this will be why she's an 084. Is- if it doesn't interact with her power, maybe it just inspires her to be more powerful. I will say this, though. Um, the show has been on a roll of, like, kind of surpri- taking some stuff and surprising me. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like, no, we're just saving her life. And now she's going to be a person getting over bullet injuries for the next couple weeks or something. Well, yeah, we- we've talked about how she's kind of the always the optimistic, emotional heart of the show. What if getting shot makes her a little bit more cautious? A little bitter. A little bitter, yeah. Maybe she has a little PTSD. I don't know. Who's going to hack S.H.I.E.L.D. to find the cure when she's the one who's shot? Yeah. Hmm. Um, Those are all the questions uh, here. And uh, I guess that's, uh, that's it. Thank you, listeners, for writing in. I'm glad that they actually did not reveal her powers in this episode. I was... I was kind of expecting for the episode to end with her, like, healing. Like, she's got Wolverine healing powers or something. And I'm glad that they didn't do anything like that. I thought we'd get a, uh, like, close-up of her face, and then her eyes would open. And it'd be like, next week, see Oh, I hate it when when (laughs) movies... Well, they had already done that earlier in the episode with Michael Peterson, so... Right. (laughs) See, I was so surprised because the clip that they showed us at the set was that that end of the episode tease that you get to see Deathlock and they zoom into his leg. And so I was like, Oh, that really was a spoiler that they wasted on us. It was. Yeah. Sorry about that guys. That's cool. Okay, I wasn't clearly you weren't listening apparently. to me. So this is, yeah, I know. <laughs> you weren't listening. So it didn't even matter. <laughs> I don't blame. Listen, it's not your fault and it's not my ignorance. It was the dog last week. I was just like, I couldn't you were focus on Winston. Yeah. I was like, is he okay? Like throw, throw something, throw him a ball. Let's take him for a walk. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> I feel so bad for whoever wrote saying that they heard something <laughs> dying in the background. <laughs> is someone moaning in the background? I said that is Gwen's dog. <laughs> I don't know who said that. Someone on uh, Twitter said, uh, <laughs> "Hey guys, let's listen to the show." Was someone moaning in the background? And I kept, I had this image of just someone in Gwen's house, like, "Oh." I was keeping Sky. Yeah, it was it was Chloe Bennett. <laughs> she was actually shot. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Gwen is really the one who shot Chloe Bennett. She does Sorry. not yeah. care. That was Gwen's house there at the end of the episode. Yep, that's how it is. I know. Poor Winston. And Loki made an appearance earlier. He popped in. My other dog's name is Loki. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen next? Uh, a month from now. In March? I don't <laughs> A month from the now. March. I'm going to have forgotten everything that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we really needed a Netflix binge-watching of this, apparently. I had no idea this was going to, when I signed up, they would be taking month-long breaks between shows. Well, I expected something like that for, for Christmas, but to do have, like, a three-week break over the holidays, and then another three-week break after one or two episodes, and now another three- to four-week break after one episode? I'm like, really? Really? It's because there's a really big Bachelor episode I'm, coming up, so the Bachelor is taking priority. What I'm looking forward to is Melinda May getting her hands on Quinn. Yeah. Because I feel like she's going to beat the shit that guy. I'm looking forward to Bill Paxton for four episodes. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Write in and let us know what you thought of tracks and what you think of this podcast. You can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also leave us a voicemail through the website or by calling us at 336-793-2509. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like the show, please write us a review. That really helps us out a lot in terms of getting the word out about the program. And if you really like us and you'd like to financially support us, you can donate by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking the donate button. That money really helps us out and goes towards helping us pay for hosting and bandwidth and covering all of the other costs that come with producing the show. Uh, You can also use our affiliates page to visit some of our partners, including Amazon. And anything you purchase from our affiliates, if you use our site to get there, we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something for yourself or maybe for your significant other because Valentine's Day is coming up, and uh, you can help us out at the same time. 
And as always, be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and our latest podcast all about uh, the new HBO series True Detective, Detect This. Agent Gwen Reyes, where can people find more of your work? You can always find me on my couch watching television um, or on Twitter forward slash Real Vixen, um, as well as Red Carpet Crash and RealVixen.com. I have an interview going up. Uh, I was supposed to go up yesterday, but it'll be up as soon as I can of uh, Dave, with David Constable, who played Gail, amongst other things, on Breaking Bad. Ooh, awesome. And he's doing a couple episodes stint on the new season of um, Ripper Street. Agent Rod Morrow, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at theblackguywhotips.com. You can find me on iTunes and Stitcher uh, by just going to the Black Guy Who Tips uh, podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rodimus Prime. And on my uh, other account where I live tweet shows, it's at Rod Live Tweets. So check me out. You can find Agent Bibbs uh, on Twitter at William Bibiani, and you can find his film writing at CraveOnline.com. As for me, you can find my film reviews over at MovieMezzanine.com, and occasionally I will write about TV over at Patheos.com on the blog Cinemeditations. Uh, you can find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio as well, including Cinema Fix and Detect This, and you can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew, and I hope you'll do so so we can keep talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., That'll wrap it up for this episode. Agents, this is simple. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.